Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Filthy Shambles, Season 2, Episode 43. Tottenham have let Stellini go, who was... I don't know what he was. Was he interim? I think he had interim in his uh, job title. Uh, and uh, Ryan Mason, he's back again for what he's... I want to say his third stint as as, as a as a interim coach. But he's not called interim. He's just the the, the head coach for the time being. Elliot, welcome, mate. It's there's so much <laughs> there's so much bullshit that we need to kind of trudge through. But th- this is the life of a, a Spurs fan. When something goes wrong, it just there isn't just a single thing that happens. It, it seems like there's a multitude of things that that kind of fall up on top of us and, and, and kind of crush our spirit. How, how are you doing before we actually start to uh, delve into the misery? Um, so first of all, um, Stellini was uh, quote unquote acting head coach. Okay. So he wasn't interim. Okay. Um, I was misinformed. So, I, I was having what... a discussion about this earlier We and, and so, someone got very paranoid. Uh, Alex from Bristol got very paranoid. Basically. Yeah, I tweeted him actually about his Be- tweet. Um, because he, he seemed to think, why isn't Ryan Mason called interim? What's going on yes. here? He's been, he's been given the title head, co- uh, head coach. But... Ah, but he hadn't. That was my tweet back to Alex. That ah. wasn't what the statement said. So to put everyone at ease, <laughs> in case they... Um... I've just pulled up the statement again. I've read yeah, it about so five he, times. He but... will be undertaking head coach duties, I think, exactly. exactly. terminology. Not that he will now be the head coach. Yeah. Um, Which is so another first... way of saying you're interim, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Stellini wasn't actually ever classified as interim he was um regarded as acting head coach so semantics <laughs> what what does it really matter you know it, it, he shouldn't have been anything Stellini he should have left with Conte um yeah. and and if anything Ryan Mason probably should have been appointed that's a very strong word he probably should have just taken uh the responsibilities the duties until the end of the season when we can actually bring in someone permanent um, I think the frustration really with Stellini, which obviously goes even further back, is the writing was on, you know, journalists always love giving their takes, but this was more than the journalist's view. This was everybody's view, as in the continuity candidate, why on earth is Stellini staying on? Um, why are all the coaching staff staying on? Was Conte really the be-all and end-all around the toxicity that was going on. And it was clear as day that it wasn't because it wasn't just Conte in the, in the um, press room. It mm. was what was on the pitch in terms of the tactics, the physical uh, elements around the fitness, uh, the constant willingness to, to sit back. Um, it was just so obvious to everybody that Stellini staying on with the rest of the coaching staff, uh, Conte and his brother, wasn't going to make an impact at all. And this goes even further back around, obviously, all the frustration that we're now seeing with the fan base around Conte not signing an extension over the World Cup period. Yeah. Um, you know, in readiness for the January transfer window. Yeah. That is really when we should have been acting, if I'm honest. And I know, obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but everybody was saying it. Everybody. And we're now in a situation where even Paddy Power are running a special section on their, um, you know, on their betting site specifically around Tottenham. And, you know, there's odds around Tottenham to lose every single game for the rest of the season. Now Tottenham to not win another single game, you know, like in a jokey way. And we're now becoming a laughingstock no longer because of fate and being unlucky, like the Suzuka handball, the Dyer handball, um, no longer because of the obvious 
persecution that the likes of Harry Kane gets when he backed into Lalana uh, to win that penalty at home to Brighton when Gabriel Martinelli did one where he did, did nearly literally break the Southampton player's neck never gets criticised for it. Hmm. No longer are we scapegoated because of those reasons. Unfortunately, the parody is now really coming to the fore because of poor management decisions from the top. And it's now all bubbling up so much so that you now obviously reference Delini's now got the sack and you read the statement. <laughs> and we've now finally, albeit in a very wet, um, wet manner, Daniel Levy's finally admitted that all of the book does end with him. Um, and it, it's got to this stage for him to be able to just be able to write or get one of his people to write it and him approve it. For that one-liner in the statement, I don't know if you've got it in front of you in terms of what yeah, he says. Yeah, I do, I do. Well, look, listen, let, let, let's get to that. Let me just uh, kind of just break up the... the uh... The, the levels of joy that we are both uh, about to travel on and journey through <laughs> on this podcast and just say welcome to another Monday post a weekend. But Spurs have got, what, six games left uh, of the season. Yep. At the moment, none of them look winnable. <laughs> and yet here we are. Everybody have you seen who we're up against as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's... Fourth, fifth, sorry, yep. fourth, sixth and seventh in our yep. running. Well, look, we're gonna we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to the whole discussion around: Do we even want European football? And obviously, as a, as a, as a Spurs fan, as a football fan, you want your team to finish as high as possible, get as far as possible in all the cup competitions. Hello, and uh, obviously finish as high up the league as possible. So I would never wish for Spurs to finish lower in the table. Absolutely not. However, there's still a discussion to be had over over what Spurs need as a football club. Um, I've got all the answers. Well, you do, answers. you do that. We're going to, we're going to chat. We're going to chat about the, the kind of the, the, the potential. Well, we're going to chat about restructuring Tottenham, just identity, a board structure, recruitment, youth development, engagement with fans, PR. We're all, we're going to do all of that in the Patreon part of the pod mm-hmm. at the, at the end. But between now and then, uh, we've got a fair bit to moan about. Let's start. Yep. Let's just start. Basically, we can talk about Newcastle as little as possible uh, mm-hmm. because I don't think everyone wants to relive that uh, too much. But let's just start with that statement because it's quite interesting. Um, yep. Because there, there's again, this is not oh spooky. You're being a Levy apologist again, mate. Here he goes, propaganda. It's it's not. The guy is not good at comms. The club are not good at comms. They never get the sentiment right. They never get the tone right. They don't. They never get the delivery right. The timing is is often late on 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 occasions. Obviously, for something like this, post Newcastle game, there was no social media activity that was relevant, you know, to uh, to what they normally do if we draw or win a game or if we lose a game by one or two two goals. They, there was a complete kind of shutdown, which was fine because you don't want to ignite and 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 and, and kind of poke the, the hornet's nest uh, with unnecessary social media content that was fine everybody wanted the next thing to happen uh to be stellini being asked to to, to, to leave the to, to leave the, the role that he has mm-hmm. that he's been given as a consequence of spurs not really knowing what to do post conte um and we got that, which which is great. And the statement that you're going to get with that needs to be to the point, and and does need to be. There does have to be some resonance to it. There's some some kind of connection. And the thing is, because of Levy's history and his lack of uh, empathy almost towards his own supporters, customers, um, that he was always going to get criticised. But he's he's coming for a lot of criticism. Mostly because of the way that he, it's been kind of signed off as Coy's Daniel. Yeah, that was. You know, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not sure it was appropriate, really. It it wasn't appropriate, and again, it's we can get to this in a moment if you like as well, because I think it's relevant to to this piece of comms how detached people are. I mean, there's someone in that in that company in that in that Tottenham company. Listen to me, um, at that football club that gets paid a lot of money 
to write this or approve this uh, or whatever else. And they don't appear to have a fucking clue how to talk to us. And I know it's like politics. You have a politician. He's got to talk to every type of person in society. Very broad spectrum. I mean, it's a ridiculous amount of people, different intellects, different ways of looking at life and the rest of it. And some people would, would talk in a certain way and others will be quite highbrow about stuff, right? And you've got to connect with all of them. I think football is universally digested the same, regardless of what background you're from, class and, and the rest of it. Yep. So, talk, so at least in this instance, you're the chairman of the football club. We know that. Just sign off as the chairman of the football club. Don't put little buzzwords in there. Don't kind of, kind of just dumb it down. Um, I think... I think it's also because um, this statement isn't very formal, which is unusual yes. um, for yeah. Daniel Levy. And, you know, he didn't have to try and put in anything around. The, this is the, from, weirdly, this is, this appeared in this particular statement didn't need, I don't think, to be overly brushed around, you know, ultimately this is all my fault. Um there's been other times where I think that that was potentially needed, but this one, you know, I know there's been all sorts of articles put out today and yada, yada, yada. And I know that, you know, like you were saying, you, you constantly get um, branded as a levy sympathizer and stuff. What happened on Sunday, you cannot say is on Levy necessarily, as in you can't attribute shipping six goals on the football pitch to Daniel Levy because there are 11 professionals out there most of them are internationally um, capped. In fact, I think all of them are. I'm trying to think of who what who wouldn't be. Most of them, um, the majority of them are captains for their respective national teams. Personal pride in your own work should be instilled in you anyway. So this, to me, didn't feel like the time to do that form of compassion. And he hasn't got the tone right at all with this because, no. as I say, he's tried to almost communicate directly to everybody and then that coy's bit at the end i'm not sure if patronizing is the right word it's yeah, insincere it's, it, exactly that's exactly what it is it, it's it's almost like how how can we kind of polish this up so that it, it comes across as on one of you and do you it, think do you think he would have written it or do you do you think this would have been published in this style if manchester united if the man U game on thursday was away Um, do you get what I'm asking? Yeah, that, so, I mean that's a good point. It's Thursday so do you has think the that they potential... rushed the need to try and look. But um, this is what's... the thing is, Elliot. Um, this is the, this is the fundamental problem with all these things, right? We obsess about these 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 things. They're important things. The, you know, the club being as transparent as they can be as a as a as a as a kind of as a company because that's what they are as well right um but as a football club they you know they have a duty to 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 make us believe in what in 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 what they're doing as a football club their endeavors their 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 vision the blueprint for what we want to be not not as a, as as a as a stadium that can house all different sporting events and can make all the revenue and bring it back to the football it, we're not. We don't care how the money's coming in. I don't care how many times Beyonce performs at, at the, the Tottenham Stadium. It doesn't matter how much money's coming through. As long as that money's going through and, it, and he's going through to the the team and everything else, that's perfectly fine. And that's what Which we're it told. Is. Yeah, that's exactly. Undeniably so. so. It is. So, so the, I don't have a problem with that side of it. Obviously, these things that we do obsess with, like we're talking about a piece of comms now. Do you know what I mean? We're analysing a piece of comms. That's how bad things are at Tottenham. But we are in... because there are so few comms that do come out. So when the opportunity I'll have arises you right again. itself, yeah. Yeah. Um, you are going to scrutinise it. If Daniel Levy were to put out regular quarterly updates on everything, so it doesn't just have to be about the performance of the football club. It could be a commentary on what the executive have been, you know, what they've been up to. Yeah. Where, um, I mean, I'm a, as we obviously have discussed in previous um, shows, I am 
market and sell or our family business markets and sells premium seat or hospitality and general admission seats at the new stadium. So yeah. naturally, I am also myself a premium prawn sandwich seat member. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a result, I get the emails regularly through from the, from that section of the club. With a, uh, It's like a monthly newsletter. Yeah. If Daniel Levy did a similar type of comms where it's just, this is what we've been doing in the community. This is blah, 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 blah. But it's coming directly from him, you know, as like a message. And he can have a quick comment on how he thinks everything is performing, what, what has been going well, what hasn't been going so well. I don't know. If he, if he were to do something on a more regular basis, this wouldn't be psychoanalyzed like it, like it has been at all. Um, and I don't know if you um, listen to Alistair Gold's uh, YouTube vids. Don't know if I'm allowed to plug stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> anyway. he, he doesn't need plug-in, to be fair, does he? No, he doesn't. And I mean, that's I the, the, yeah, let, let yeah. me just, not that type of plug-in if you're a fighting cock listener, but anyway. <laughs> well, basically, he went on to talk about how his, I can't remember what day he said it was, I think it was Thursday or something, when the, when the um, Cambridge Union video got released, he said he spent something like three hours transcribing Daniel Levy's interview. Right. Now, okay. I know he probably would do that anyway, as just because as it's a, part of his a, job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, if it was regular comms. But he really wanted to make sure that every single nook and cranny of that interview was pulled out. And he even admitted the reason why he's had to do it is because he, uh, they don't get anything back. So... We 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 get to the Cambridge we we'll get to the Cambridge thing as well because I, I I think with the Cambridge interview he went there as a former student and 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 he he spoke as a businessman rather than I know he's like introduced the chairman of Tottenham Hotspur but it was more about his progression it was his meant growth. to be meant to be I don't think that's how it's ended up coming across. Oh no! Well, no, of course not. Not with with us and 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 the fact that you know it's okay for you to go to Cambridge, but then not talk about Spurs to Spurs supporters mm. um, or, to and, journal- but, or to a set of journalists in a yeah. controlled environment, or even well, on his own medium channel. I mean, he 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 mentioned. I mean, he 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 does always look a little bit uncomfortable, you know, sitting there talking about himself. He doesn't look like someone who's comfortable with talking about himself in the, in. A, in 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 a, in a positive way, um, because he's just someone that wants to kind of get his hands dirty and get things done. Obviously, he's getting the wrong type of things done from our perspective. Um, so he is—I don't want to say he's a complex character because I think we've got him all worked out. But you know, there's com- complexities that he adds, you know, to to the landscape. Uh, and that's the landscape of, of the way that we look upon Tottenham and 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 look up upon Enoch as the custodians and and you know they they own the club you know whether we like it or not. Um, yeah. And with him, he does seem like someone who thinks that stepping uh, stepping back out the limelight, letting everyone else do the talking. I mean, in a perfect world, that's exactly what would happen, right? Because yeah, I yeah. couldn't I yeah. couldn't name all the chairman of every 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 club in the premier league let alone every club in the in, in the championship um i just i just have no interest and the media have no interest the top top clubs the glaziers you know liverpool's owners obviously city and chelsea goes without say this is because the, the, the these are big big football clubs and the narrative around what's happened with those clubs is obviously a lot easier to kind of bite into and, and digest. And it's the same with Spurs for, for for other reasons, you know, because we're the club that's always tried to knock on the door and always try to gatecrash the party. And a lot is made of of Levy. And I think a lot of it, to, to be fair to him, a lot of it is narrative-driven. But again, Spurs do not help themselves and Levy doesn't help himself. And, and obviously where we're at the moment, it's by no means the worst we've ever been it's by no means the crisis yeah it isn't however based on the benchmark of what we should be doing it's it's a it's a little bit of a step back in terms of you having to step back and look at the the car crash and think how do we always find ourselves in the same kind of position coming third in a two-horse race well 
don't get don't get me started on that because we were never no, in no, that no. race. I mean, but the, <laughs> but the point is, why do we generate so much uh, kind of um, dark comedy around how? how we perform as a club it fe- it always feels like it's because us. we're relevant right? well, it's because we're relevant but we seem to create our own problems and and it's i don't know if it's a desperation i don't know if it's where we're as as laid back as levy's accused of being like he, he doesn't have any urgency uh, about him um you know is it because they're well they're, the last, we're trying the last... to cut corners to get to where we want to be well we have been yeah we definitely have. And that was kind of what I was just about to allude to. I mean, since Poch got sacked, yeah. aside from Nuno, let's forget about him, um, we have decided to hire two of arguably not only the most high profile in terms of honours in recent history, but their personalities are such that they they carry with them their own media circus wherever they go, regardless of what club they're a part of, right? Yeah. And as a result, Spurs have been in the limelight, not just because of them as a club, their achievements, what what they're up to, but because by association, all of the limelight that was on Mourinho as a, as a media darling, and let's say less so as a media darling for Conte, but he's box office. Is what, I think box office is probably the word for both of them. So they're both box office in their own right. So Spurs are now in the limelight because they're a massive, hugely relevant football club in the Premier League, but also because they've got this huge personality as the main custodian of the club. And personally, I think going back to what we were saying before, how we're not in a bad position, relatively speaking, which we absolutely are not. Daniel Levy has been amazing for this club to get it to where it is now. And I think, you know, he does not have the experience, nor does any of that board have any experience of managing a club above fourth place. And we now have an infrastructure, as in physical, tangible assets. We now have an infrastructure that arguably allows for us to operate as a club that should be sitting above fourth place. Yeah. But the intangible elements, the skill set, the resource, the experience, the knowledge, that isn't there at executive level. And this is where the struggle is. And that goes as far as to say the experience around comms. Because previously, you know, who cares what Southampton are putting out in comms? Who cares what Brighton are putting out in comms? (laughs) No one cares. Because they're not relevant. Right. And the only other you going back about chairmans, you only know about the Glazers because everyone hates them and they're trying to sell the club or whatever. Yep. And Gary Neville's upset, you know, Brit loves to bring bring them out on Twitter. And the only other chairman who you know, who you will know of in the big six is Todd Bowley. Yep. Because of how much of a shambles he's running the club at the moment. You never hear from FSG. You never hear from Sheikh Mansour. You never hear from, um, I'm assuming it's still the Cronkies at Arsenal. I don't know. That's the point. You don't hear from any of them because they just, they get on with the important stuff in the background and they allow for, and this is the bit where where Daniel Levy, you know, his lack of experience is really starting to show. They don't get involved in the football element. Todd Bowley has been, and look at the shambles that they're in at the minute. Daniel Levy is still involved in the football operations. As far as it is seen to be with all of the others in the big six, they're not getting involved at all with football matters, at all. Um, And hopefully we're now at a situation with this appointment of Scott Munn. I think Daniel Levy does really care. And I think he is starting to recognise that he's losing control of the situation. And I think that is why Scott Munn's been appointed. So, as I, I, you know, I wanted this pod to be more of a positive outlook on what is a very uh, low point at the moment. And I, and I think that, you know, from a solutions perspective, I do think Daniel Levy is starting to recognise that. And the cracks have begun to show on him showing a bit of weakness from that statement today. I, I mean, that was perfectly summed up, mate. 
Um, we could end the pod there, to, to be fair, but we're not. We, we still, we've still got. Unfortunately, I mean, you're talking about cracks. Um, I could have done with smoking some crack uh, on on uh, Sunday uh, watching the Newcastle. There's plenty game. of that being done at the marathon. I can assure you, Michael. <laughs> now, this uh, this game, it was it was weird. In in the, I kind of sat down to watch uh, the game. And I was watching it with my with, with the old man, and I said to him, "Look, don't expect any emotion from me today. I don't. We're not going to win this game. Um, we could get slapped. Now, I didn't. I didn't sit down there and predict the scoreline, right? But I, I laughed out loud. I mean, physically laughed out loud when we went um, one nil down, and then twenty minutes later, we're five nil down." I mean that is surreal, right? I mean five. It, it, it's like Newcastle weren't even trying; they were just attacking. They were just moving fluidly with confidence, and and they punctured us five times. You know, you had, uh, you know, you know, you, you talk about Stellini. Obviously, four games in charge. He's had more than four games if you count the um, the caretake. Caretaker role that he had, yeah. When previously, Conte when Italy. Conte was ill, and he done quite well. He, he was he was doing all right during that part of the season. Doesn't really have any relevance on anything, but you know this look, was a disaster from the start. Uh, in terms of Sunday, you know, four at the back, fair enough. Four three 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 in the middle. You thought, oh, hello, we've got three people in midfield for once. That might be good. Uh, it wasn't, but the defense was absolutely shambolic. But it wasn't just that; they just like. If if you if you if you people people the fans at the moment and for the last few weeks have been banging on about you know it's the players and yes on a day like this the players have to be accountable because even if you've got no guidance and leadership um, yes that that's going to pull you to pieces right as a team you're not going to have any faith in what's happening you're not going to have any belief you don't know where to look it's 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 shambolic probably in training and preparation and in conditioning and the rest of it you kind of turn up for the game you don't it, it's hard to then say play with a bit of self-respect and pride but you almost feel that these players are experienced enough to do that because what's going to happen when mason turns up you know man united midweek you know the players are going to come out and play the same way no they're going to react so they've got the reaction in them you know could just be proactive with it rather than than ha- wait to get slumped before they can come out and play. I guess in my really messy, messy uh, delivery of, of the point I'm trying to make is it was still fucking disgraceful uh, in terms of how they performed, how dead they looked. Um, like only Spurs could recall one of the worst ever starts to a football game as well. It's like we're compounded uh, with, with, with the misery. Just We can't just lose two or three nil. And just look a little bit shambolic. We just literally, I mean, Callum Wilson came on and scored, and he felt embarrassed to to celebrate. He literally touched the ball, and, and it was like six, yeah, or five. I can't even remember. I, I, I don't even know where, what, when he scored the goal. I was kind of like, yeah, it was. It was six. Yeah, it was the because six it was, one. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was in goal. It was. So it was obviously about. after half time. Yeah, because we we uh, we drew with them in the second half. We. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that at all because I mean, if you're five nil at half time, you're honestly mate, putting in that was a bad seventy five percent of the effort. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what? What? I mean, it feels weird having to talk about Stellini, to be fair, and decision making. But anything you want to pick out this game? I mean, Sanchez came on very early. Saul was substituted. A lot of people haven't didn't like that decision that Saul was being scapegoated. I don't know whether there was. I think it's, it's hard to say. Human... I don't think. I honestly, there can't be a single person out there that thinks that Sar was being scapegoated. They can't it, do. It is a little bit ridiculous to 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 stop creating narratives within a narrative. We were god awful. We had to make a change. We had to bring on a defender. Um, do you know what would have been a bigger sacrificed. statement for me? I mean, Stellini probably knew he was he was going anyway. Mm. I would have loved for him to have taken off Hoiberg. And that, left the two boys, the two young lads in yeah. in the midfield. I was about to ask you about because I think that's where the whole narrative thing uh, kind of comes from. That people say, "Why did he, he pick a kid to come off?" One, well, one of what's the he got to lose players. at that point? So it was damage limitation. Okay, 
Mm-hmm. So he's brought on Sanchez, and it's an incredible irony that obviously the the person who ended up performing arguably the best was the one who got completely and utterly embarrassed the week before. Um, what's he got to lose by, yeah. you know, if anything, make your five subs at half time, take off all the seasoned pros because they've embarrassed themselves in this club, bring on some youth and try and in a uh, high level view, like a, a ex- existential view, you're trying to at least then show, right, this is the future at least. We're not going to wallow anymore. We're going to take off all of the dead wood that clearly aren't either capable of performing at the level anymore or just not able to demonstrate the level of professionalism and pride at their age as a mature player. You take them off and you now just give it to you give it to the kids to play. So Dyer, Lloris, uh, Perisic, Hoiberg. They're definitely the four that I'd be immediately roping off. I would arguably have taken off Romero off uh, off the back of a couple of the goals uh, that were scored. And I'd have literally just brought on all of the inexperienced players. And do, said, you reckon, lads, do you reckon Romero suffering? If you, if you, if you um, put in Sorry, mate, a minimum six out of ten from the, first, from the rest of this second half and you don't disgrace this club, you are starting against United. We should have. I mean, the the, the 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 problem is like we're in this position where we're having to consider scenarios like that. Um, when what we should be really doing, what those kids, what those young players should be doing, is relying on the experience and and, and yeah. the the quality of those looking up the to elder statesmen of of, of, of be, the, the team. They should be looking up to. The, the, they should be being mentored and inspired by the people who supposedly are in front of them in the pecking order because of ability. And th- they should not be starting on, thir- on Thursday. If I'm Ryan Mason, once again, this, the season is now right off. No one can seriously think for one moment that we're going to get top four. It's oh, no, no, that, 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 right? that's, that's done. That's done. Yeah, it's completely done. So why why not sack off all the people that are just not interested, not good enough, no longer um, clocked into the rest of this season, and just play Romain Mundell, Alfie Devine, Skip. Oh, can you Saar. imagine what a statement well, that I'd, would be? <laughs> it would be a massive statement, and I think the crowd would love it on Thursday. And let's say it doesn't go very well, it doesn't matter. Because there's no more expectation at that point. So the crowd won't be toxic. I mean, obviously, this is me now pushing the nuclear button. And it isn't going to happen at the weekend. We're going to play free throw three. Hoiberg's going to play with Skip. Dyer, Romero, Longley. And this is the, that is the culture, in my opinion, which is why everyone loves to snag off Daniel Levy. Fair enough, he's got the faults. But there's been so many instances this season where it's, the system clearly hasn't worked. The mm. players clearly haven't been good enough but they know they're going to get picked the next week. And that's what stunk out the place. Yeah, because there's no more motivation for the likes yeah. of Sanchez, for Saar, for the substitute, for Richarlison, who? For Dan Juma, who? There's no motivation because they know even if they come on, and they and they and if Dan Juma scores a goal, if Saar puts in a man-of-the-match performance away at Milan, they're on the bench next week. They're not even going to get a look in because there's a genuine hierarchy. It's pathetic. And you can't breed excellence in any organisation if you don't reward outstanding achievement and you continue to reward mundane, bang average performances. I think we should move on from the Newcastle game. I, <laughs> Please. Um, you know, I mean, what, what else? I mean, Lloris didn't come out for the second half. Well, that was the one thing I, I, want, I, I wanted to touch on a little bit with you. Well, Do go you on, think then, what... he was injured? No, I, I I think it was what probably. What do you think happened? I don't know. I mean, I, I'd 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 like to think. I hope there was a fight. I hope there was an argument. I hope people screamed at each other. I hope there was a shuffle. Maybe a, a, someone threw a punch, but didn't quite land. That you know, I, I, I'm I'm not saying that I'm I'm. Listen, Hugo Lloris has been. Uh, it's probably one of one of our best goalkeepers, right? In our history. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, he's been with us for so long, but he's been on the decline for a, for a while too. And with again, this is another problem. The club haven't looked to bring in a proper understudy, not not like an older reserve type of a player, but a young a youngling that can just that can uh, well what can we just did find with Maurice, these with Friedel. Yeah, I mean that kind of worked. There was it balance there, right? There was balance he there. And he had, he sat on the bench for a season. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that type of very basic. We're talking about fundamental things and I'm just a, we're just football supporters, right? We don't we don't have uh, FA coaches. These are just logical things. Even someone in admin like a a man or whomever who who you know now that Paratici's gone as well. You know, th- these are just logical steps that you look when you look at the squad. You think about what's the succession plan? How do you strengthen your, your squad, your team? How do you have viable options in every position? I mean, you look at Romero just before we go back to Larice. You know, the, when I was rudely interrupting you, uh, I got a bad habit of doing that. Um, no, I, what I wanted to ask you was whether. Um, I mean, he's a decent player, right? It's just that mm-hmm. there's absolute shit around him, and 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 there's probably a, I don't know, a lack of uh, professionalism, which isn't which isn't good, like a lack of leadership from anyone in the team uh, to kind yeah. of take it by the scruff of the neck and say, do you know what, guys, I'm going to perform really well. You lot perform to my level, and let's let, let's play as a unit. But obviously, he looked like he completely gave up in that game. Um, yeah, well, and he's, he's looked dodgy there. for a few for, for a few games this season as well. But is that because he hasn't got a Bastoni by the side of him? He's not playing alongside the Ledley King. He hasn't got. Yeah, he, mm. he, he doesn't believe in the players around him. Um, and when when the rest of the team is is weak and fragile, I mean, obviously it's like a pathogen. Um, yeah, yeah, it's going to infect no, it every, everyone and everything. So, so on that then, um, yeah. first of all. I felt Kane still, still. I mean, he took that goal so well. Literally, did it all himself. Yeah, um, he is God to me. <laughs> in in pretty much all of the instances, the one thing that he, aside from free kicks, that he's not great at is leadership traits. He lead. He's very much. He reminds me very much like Stephen Gerrard. Leads by example and performance. He, do, he isn't a natural leader. He's somebody that you look up to. He's somebody that you potentially learn from. He's somebody that you admire. But he isn't somebody that has natural leadership qualities. He doesn't yeah. put it this way. I, I wouldn't be scared. I'm not, I wouldn't be scared of him. I'd res, I respect him immensely. And I'd be disappointed if he was you know, angry at me, I'd be, probably be more like disappointed because I have the admiration for him, but he doesn't scare me enough to, and I, I know obviously times are changing where certainly that in the general in, um, organization wide, you know, sort of corporate world is completely unacceptable, but in sport where aggression is part and parcel of, of the game and you need it to win. I don't think he is a naturally aggressive. He's not aggressive, is he? He's he's, um, he's just a, a devout professional, really nice guy by the looks of it. You can just rely on him to score your goals. Romero is 23 years old. There aren't many people out there at the age of 23 that would have the confidence or the ability or the innate capability of being able to inspire a team through, you know, born leadership. Somebody like Mbappe is a bit of a rare breed because he's he's so cocky and arrogant, but he's got all of the qualities to back it up. And it, I think he does have a little bit of nastiness in him to to sort of really drive it right, drive mm. it home. Mm. I think when you were talking about. The difference between someone like Kane and Romero is their position, right? Kane misses a chance, yeah. doesn't have the same impact of Romero conceding a goal. And I think that is probably the difference. So if Kane misses a chance, he knows he's going to get another one. If Romero concedes a goal, the game state genuinely changes 
your head goes down and he's surrounded by players down his end of the pitch that aren't able to provide that foundation where he's got yeah. confidence in in achieving his objective, probably also getting his bonus in his contract, right? His clean sheet bonus. Yeah. Um, and it's all about I those bonuses. Things... Go on, go on. No, no, it's all about those bonuses. I just wanted to add in. It's all about that money. Yeah, well, to be fair, <laughs> for somebody like Romero, why would why wouldn't it be? I mean, with all due respect to Romero, he probably didn't even know who fucking Spurs were until <laughs> he moved over to Europe. Well, he may have he may have known of us. You might have because of, because of two, and, yeah, um, exactly. He, and Pochettino, you could say. But in terms of us as a club, he's got no affiliation to us. He's got no natural um, aff- affection to want to. He doesn't want to play well for us because he loves the badge. Mm. He might love the club now because obviously it's giving him an amazing life. He's living in London, blah blah. blah. But he doesn't have, you know, like what what fan has or what. A Gary Mabbott would have had, or a Ledley King would have had. Arguably, you could even say it isn't what Kane's got, because he's he's cons- he doesn't do it. Well, he kind of did it with the Gary Neville interview, but th- that intangible isn't existing in the squad at the moment. And at least, apparently, Skippy was one of the few ones that did get a yellow card <laughs> yesterday. You just think to yourself, well, there's a reason why he got a yellow card. It's because he's fucked off. Yeah, and he's embarrassed, and he's not embarrassed to be playing for the club. He's embarrassed for the club, which I'm is surprised. where the difference lies. Yeah, and you're spot on, and I'm surprised that we we didn't get a couple of reds in that game as well. Um, I kind of expected uh, one or two to implode completely. Well, look, let let's not let's not bother with the rest of that that game. It was humiliating. Well, it's done yeah, it's done and dusted. I think everyone's processed it. Uh, we're not. We've not moved on from it, obviously, because it's it's. And I still... think Stellini going is only a good thing. Yeah, it, it's it allows us to move on at least again. It feels yeah. like we've moved on half a dozen times uh, this season. One thing I want to do, I do want to quickly touch upon. There's two things actually, kind of mm-hmm. uh, remnants of of what of the weekend. The first is Sanchez. So you know, obviously, this is this is a guy that is a fringe player. Should have left the club a long time ago. Spoke about this on previous podcasts. You know, we've not done ourselves any favours and we've not done anything uh, to protect and evolve the the guy. And I'm sure he has regrets about not moving on. So having to rely on him to come in, play a low on confidence, on low on self-belief. He did have a good run um, when he had that kind of... Nine hours, wasn't it? Yeah, that 10-game patch, whatever it was. Yeah, nine, ten hours. Yeah. but obviously, that's the thing about a lot of Spurs players. They're very patchy or have been very patchy over the last four years since uh, Pochettino left um, and the 18 months before he left. Uh, but, yeah, so yeah. Sanchez gets booed um, you know, for, 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 for being a calamity on the day, I guess, against Bournemouth. But there are other things playing out on that pitch as well and other people are responsible. He comes on, plays quite well against Newcastle. Not that anyone's going to notice when you you get get slapped at a 6-1. Um, I, I just find the whole, I find it funny though because no one, I mean, I'm sure there were, there were Spurs fans abusing or booing the players possibly. They're so far up in the gods at Newcastle that the, the players probably wouldn't have heard a thing. Um, but it's interesting how if this was at home, I mean, everyone would be collectively booed, right? I mean, everyone would get absolutely hammered for for a performance like this. You know, yeah. it's I guess it's easier to scapegoat one person and blame one person than it is to turn on 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 the team entirely. And we we mm-hmm. can talk about that in a little bit. To kind of mm-hmm. kind of perversely preview the Man United game. Uh, but did yeah. you have any thoughts on on that, that whole Sanchez thing, just in terms of? The, the so, booing, uh, um, I know it's going back to previous yeah, yeah, no, game, but I, obviously I we're very fickle football, football supporters, right? We kind of move on yeah. from from things and we kind of forget about things that we did a week ago, and we and we completely contradict ourselves the, the week that follows. Yeah. Um, first of all, just before we touch on that very quick comment, it was interesting that the away end yesterday sang plenty of Levy outs, but there wasn't a single song around Pochettino. Um. You know, which I mean, has been, which has happened. 
Oh, yeah. yeah, it does. Absolutely. And, you know, presumably we might touch on that in a bit. The booing of Sanchez. First of all, I just want to caveat before I say anything else. I think for the for what had happened to him and for the and the game state that he found himself in coming on and the manner in which he he did play professionally. Yeah. Um is ultimate credit to him. And Yeah. I just want to say that, you know, out of all of the crap that we had to deal with on Sunday, it was um that was one of the main positive things to have come out of that game and huge respect to Sanchez for that. The booing against Bournemouth, um, whilst, well, I, I don't think that whilst the booing was happening when he was touching the ball and it was obviously as a direct consequence of the two calamities that happened um, to change it from, I think, was it from 1-0 to 2-1 against at that point? It was two, two yeah, absolute yeah. Um, howlers, yeah, clangers, yeah. And yes, it was it was when he was touching the ball. I think all of that was like what happened with the Lucas Bergwijn sub for Nuno, right? People weren't booing Bergwijn on. It was the whole situation. Yeah, it was a and, it was a reaction to the, the, the yeah. And it was what Nuno we had was the doing. Everton. We had the Everton situation where everybody is screaming for thirty-five minutes left to go. Stop dropping back. Get forward. Keep the ball. Stop giving them back the ball. Stop giving the crowd a chance to go. At blah blah. We had that there. We had the same issue at Southampton. We then get to Bournemouth. We're one nil up. We somehow went against uh, the grain of what we've been like recently after we've scored. We continued for about 10 minutes after that to still probably keep uh, the dominant side of, of the game. Longley gets injured. This is the chance to bring on a midfielder and try and keep the momentum going. Yeah. Sanchez comes on and we're going then back into our shell. And Sanchez looked good. Yes, because he was next to Vertonghen, and he was obviously now being shown even more so to have been such a class defender. And next to Alderweireld when he when we played that back three in his um, first season. But the difference is, we were playing probably twenty, thirty yards higher up the pitch. So Sanchez's key attributes is his recovery pace. He's not that physical because he's been bullied off the ball plenty of times in his Spurs career. His main element is his ability to be the last-ditch tackler, running back towards goal, you know, covering that space, much like how Liverpool operate with such a high line. And before Van Dijk got his injury, he was the one that had the recovery pace. And there's a reason now that since he got injured, they brought Canate, who, shock, is now the recovery pace person in that back line. Yeah. Um, Sanchez has never been somebody where we sit deep, he keeps the ball, tipping it around he isn't that isn't his position so he deserved to be booed because he was an absolute joke on that day but all of the team deserved to be booed um but I, like i say i think it was that first that first goal that we conceded against bournemouth pedro Porras shouldn't have did, tried to draw past three players so that was a joke as well but for a professional footballer to not be able to even make contact with the ball with your foot, which is what had happened. It just went underneath him. It's just inexcusable. And that booing, I think, yes, was towards Sanchez, but I think it was towards Sanchez via Stellini to be like, we're now booing him because of you, so get him off. And mm. that's what I think it was. I don't think it, it was horrendous to watch, and he looked mm. broken when he came off. Mm. But if I'm honest, it was needed, not because Sanchez needed a wake-up call, but because the whole club needs to be shown that we are not happy with what's going on. And it's yeah, the, yeah. going back, to, it's the point-blank decisions that are yeah. so obvious to everybody else, except the high-paid people, like we were talking about earlier on in, in the chat around, it was obvious to everybody about Conte not signing the new deal, should have changed. It was obvious that when Conte was going to get sacked, to get to not 
continue with the rest of the coaching staff and Stellini. And it's that's, I think, what led to the booing because of the amount of frustration that had been sort of brought up to that state. But like I say, yeah, just to close it's, it off. It's the only, I, 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 as much as I don't like the booing part of it, especially when it's done very cheaply and very petulantly, and it was earlier in the season, um, and the way that some of our fans turn on some of our players with sarcastic clapping and sarcastic mm. jeering, I think there's a, there's an element to it which is nasty. And it might not, they might not think they're being nasty. They might be thinking, well, look at me, I'm self-deprecating. Oh, he can take it. He's a millionaire kicking a ball about, wearing my shirt, wearing my badge. You know, he, they're, they're all right. They're, 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 they're tough as nails. They're thick-skinned. They quite obviously are not. And especially when no, things Sanchez are, are, to have experienced that must have been horrendous. Yeah, it's just look, it's just the way I'm built as well. Just you know, I'm you pretty support. sure we taught. I'm pretty sure the first uh, time I came on the show, we talked about Emerson getting booed, and I think yeah, I even went probably, on to say, we probably "What did, must I that be that like sounds... for the rest of the um, for the rest of the players on the pitch?" To be like, why the yeah. fuck do I want to perform in front of these wankers when one of my yeah, best yeah, mates yeah. has just been hounded out? Yeah, but, but you can see that sometimes the way players react to when they score, when they do, or when they do play, yes. well, their reaction is very much "fuck you." You know, they 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 pick someone out in 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 the stands that they remember. Imagine that being a, a footballer that can remember a particular face out of thousands of people in in the, in the corner mm. of the, the stadium because because it's got to them. It has got to them. They are human. Well, I think they're very rich human age. beings. But do you remember when? Yeah, um, it's happened to a lot of players. That mate. Half against Olympiacos. Yeah. And yeah. Um, everybody was like, "Did he spit when he did that mm. celebration?" Mm. And I think he did. I think he really did because I think he he just got hurled hurled a load of abuse. But even back then. And it it's a, it was a, it was a real sorry indictment of the, where the club's at at the moment for it to get to that stage, and it wasn't a pretty um, thing to see. And you know, we talk about how Abue got booed at Arsenal, and you know, we don't want to be that type of club. Yada yada. We, we are that type I, of the club. We are that type. Everybody's of club that type now. of club. Spoon. Yeah, it's if they changed. Were, there is not a single, you know, there is not a single football club out there, that, that football fan, sorry, regardless of the club that has been put through what we've been put through over the last 18 months to get to the stage that we got to where Sanchez got booed. I don't care what anybody says. There is no other club that would have acted differently or would act differently in that situation. So so there's a few things I want to run through before we finish up the the normal podcast and and then get to the the Patreon uh, part of it. the trust are pushing for a refund, and I've seen a lot of tweets about this. Refund the supporters that travelled up there. Now, Chris, Geordie uh, Spurs, who goes, who lives up in Newcastle, he didn't have that far to go home on Sunday, um, yeah. but he travels up and down the country. He is one of the loyal uh, travelling Spurs supporters. You know, our, our yeah. away support is fantastic. It's it is it's amazing. Every, every fan base is going to say they have the best away support in the country. I think ours are pretty fucking good. Um, yeah. And he, he cracked me up. Because I think he left on the sixth minute of the game. He walked out oh, no. of St. James's Park uh, after six minutes. Or whenever two the second goal. Point, yeah, right? two nil down, yeah. And uh, he said that's not even his record for leaving a football <laughs> game early. So that, that, that kind of just basically just lets you know the life and times of of uh, being a loyal when was supporter. It, when was and, the shortest one? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. At a Spurs game, yeah, it must have been, and I'm trying to think what game it was. But he obviously, I'm going to have to ask him. I'll have to find yeah, out. Yeah, you'll have to. I'll have to have him back on as, uh, again soon. Um, did, you know, you roll the punches, right? Like you don't, you don't dish out refunds because your team got beat. You know, the same way the club are not going to ask for more money if your team goes away from home and wins five nil. Um, obviously. Everybody should get some kind of concession, considering what we've been put through this season, right? Because we are putting money in, money into the club. We are we're not customer reference numbers. We are football supporters. Well, season ticket supporters. holders have been given a concession. Well, we have. We we haven't had our had, season ticket. Had the tickets frozen. Yeah, in yeah. in a legitimate economical environment that 
they could have said, and obviously it would have been incredibly tone deaf, and it's credit to people like the Trust to be able to give them some kind of realism, yeah. um, where they've frozen the ticket prices. So that, do you honestly think if Spurs were fighting for the title this um at this stage or the stage when they decided to freeze the ticket prices that they would have frozen them. Oh, not absolutely not. If everything was, if everything was chirpy, they'd, oh, they'd the go straight ahead. Right yeah, yeah. Because, 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 because the, it's again, market forces. It's simple. Exactly. Uh, but it's they know that we're going to pay up because, because we're also want to be part of that roller coaster, part of that ride. Yeah. And you'd and be happy to pay it. Thing is, we're happy to pay for it now. I know. I mean, I've, I've renewed, right. Uh, and, and I've done that for personal reasons as well. I mean, I'm yeah. not going to go into it in, in, into it now. I mean, I can go. Uh, someone can ask me on Twitter. It's not. It's not. It's not a big deal. Um, but there's a lot of people that haven't, and probably will wait until the final day. In, if anything, to send out a message to Spurs, whether they notice, whether they care, whether they report back on the trend of when people are actually renewing or not, I don't know. The, and, they you know, and they, they, you would hope so, right? Um, no, and they probably they they'll probably look at the amount of people that don't renew as well, like just to see what what whether there are people that are going to stand their ground in the form of a protest, especially yeah. Yeah. with what's happening. Um, but you know, our loyalty is something that's consistent because we are consistent. We're always here. We're always we're always going to be Tottenham supporters, and you're not going to not want to go to football games regardless of, of what's going on on the pitch. You you rationalise and find your way back in again, and obviously there there will be moments in the future, no doubt. If my friends stop going, if my mates stop going, I will probably stop going because yeah. I don't want to go alone. So um, it, it's well, you're interesting. Not, you're not just going for the football. You're not just going for that ninety minutes. In fact, you could argue that that's secondary. I mean, I'm talking from a thirty-two-year-old's yeah. perspective. Yeah. You know. There's not many times where I've got my own free time to spend time with my mates. Unfortunately, yeah, none of exactly. my mates like football, <laughs> so I can't really use that as the example. But you know, the older you get, school... mate, the the, the more yeah. difficult it becomes because of family commitments and, and everything exactly. Else and that's where on. I'm at now because I've got I've got a, a little boy myself, and you know, fortunately, he's going to have to suffer it um, soon. So I actually will have someone to go to as well. But it's secondary, I think, for most people now. Um, you know, it's about that sense of, of commune and being part of something. And that is and going back to this general frustration and the booing of Sanchez and where we're now at as a, as a club. We no longer feel part of it, but mm. we're still giving up a huge amount of money um, to sort of try and cling on to something. And we don't have anything to cling on to at the moment. And I think that is ultimately where the major frustration lies. So um, we've got, what, one, two, three, four, we've got one, two, three, six games left. United home, Liverpool away, Crystal Palace at home, Aston Villa away, Brentford at home, Leeds United away. Um, we've, we've kind of overrun a little bit, but I just want to just quickly just talk about what you want out of this season. Do we... Do we want to? Obviously, we want to finish top four. That's really unlikely, probably impossible to happen based on not just our form, but everyone else's form. Europa League, you know, if we qualify for the Europa League, we're fairly snobbish about it. I know I am. You know, we kind of mug it off because it's such a chore to, to grind your way through the group games. You know, do we buckle up and try and win that competition? Is is having no European football the best thing for Tottenham, or is that a disaster? I don't want you to delve too deep into the commercial aspect. It's just that it, it's it, it's almost like it's a silly question to be asking, really. You know, you take what you're given. And I, again, like I said earlier, I want to finish as high as we possibly can. I want us to win all the remaining games because that would at least give us a bit of a bounce and just something to smile about before the summer break. Uh, but how are you feeling about the, the, the way that this season is fizzling out? Ryan Mason, obviously, back in again for the, the final six games. He's probably going to hopefully play the kids, probably play a bit more expansive, might not necessarily, well, it's not going to be tactically astute, but how do you see uh, um, the rest of the season going now? What, what are your expectations from, from the remaining games? <sighs> to be fair, what, what, what would I want or what, what do I think will happen? 
what do you think will happen? Uh, it's probably more uh, relevant um, to, to this conversation. I think we will play four two three one. I think Kane will get thirty goals in the league. I think everyone will run on average a kilometre more. I think anybody who doesn't put in a hundred percent won't be playing the following week. Um, I think we will win three. And okay. I think we'll lose three. Okay. And I think I, we'll I... end up uh, in the Europa League. Okay. I don't. I. I. I don't even care at this point. I. I. I swear, if I could just fall asleep and wake up and it's after the Leeds game, I, I would well, take be that. Fifth. And... <laughs> we could finish it now. So... Um, yeah. Fabio's gone. I think basically Go. to, to answer your question on the European question. Um. Spurs are a European football team, and yeah. well, we like to think. I we think are. no, we are. We are a European football team. Um, it's in our history. It's our, it's part of our. It's culture. in our heritage, it's, but but we yeah. we we've besmirched it a little bit with the way that we've we've kind of undervalued the lesser competitions. Yeah, um, and we have, but it doesn't matter. We're still in it, and once mm. again, it goes back to what I was saying. We're still relevant, mm-hmm. and. Um, as commercials aside, Europa League football is is actually better now, isn't it? it seems to be becoming more and more appealing because the teams in it are, seem to be quite interesting. It's been pretty um, decent, to be fair, the last couple of seasons. So yeah, if nothing else, just play the youth team. It's six it's six games guaranteed for all of the youth players to try and showcase themselves. Gets a bit, and you know, if you want to use that competition as a bit of a um, just a, a way of, of being able to give excess minutes to, to sort of yeah. not squad players, youth players. We wanted to showcase that. It displays a little bit about what is potentially in front of us as Spurs fans. It's No one's going to look at it negatively if we're seeing Alfie Devine getting 90 minutes to get, you know, maybe even seeing a couple of stars coming through. Yeah. Because, you know, we're just sick of the same people all the time. It, it's just, and, and still not achieving so let's try and vary it up a bit um we we, for us to have had the season we have i mean i i my brother-in-law is a liverpool fan and he absolutely reveled in what happened yesterday and he was talking about what a shambles we are and fair enough we are a shambles but we're fucking above liverpool at the minute still so what does that say about them right (laughs) and ultimately if we still manage to get even europa league football at this stage that is in that is such a positive outlook to try and spin it on because we've been such a shambles this year yet we're still relevant and strong and big enough to still be in the top 5 or 6 teams in the country so imagine if we managed to finally get our shit together in the summer where we could end up at the end of the at the end of next season I want, I wanted to finish on that for, uh, as a on a high but I'm going to have to bring it down to low again Pochettino to Chelsea just like in a nutshell, is he dead to us now? Is he dead to you? Is 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 Poch dead yeah. to you, Elliot? Yeah, he is. Yeah. If he goes to Chelsea, I, which it looks like he 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 will be, because we don't, we're not interested in him. We haven't spoken to him apparently. We're not interested. So what else has he got to do? I mean, he, he's got a choice, right? He doesn't have to go to them, not. But if no one else is offering him a job, but they would be offering him a job. Well, exactly. If Chelsea offer him a job, every pretty much every other Premier League club is. Every other um, international team, you know, relevant international mm. team club is. So he's a I don't Judas. Buy it. I don't think I don't. I don't think I would use it as far Call as him that a Judas. I, th- I don't think I'd go as far as that because he quite clearly wanted to come back to Spurs with all of the uh, sort of media hints that were coming out saying he'd be, you know, he'd, he'd be really keen to discuss and get back involved. He's obviously. He's uh, his assistant has posted a few things like cryptic stuff. I don't. I, he's not Judas, but he is dead to me mm. because um, he'd be going to a direct rival. He'd be going to and 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 I don't just mean in terms of places in the league. So like in Newcastle, for example, he's actually going to a team that during his tenure as a Spurs manager 
they were the ones that pipped us to a Premier League title. That's the thing they I can't get over. Chelsea, to me, are on par with Arsenal. Chelsea are the team that where yeah, we finished fourth and they've somehow won the Champions League. And of course, we were the scapegoats of that, not getting into the Champions League. Oh, and guess what? The following year, they decided to make a ruling where if something like that was to ever happen again, you'd still get fourth, you'd still get Champions League. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, look, let's let's end the, the normal podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, if you're on Patreon, you're going to get another 20 to 30 minutes maybe of us just talking about Spurs, how we would restructure it. So uh, thanks for listening. If you've if you've downloaded on all the normal pl- platforms uh, for podcasting, it's great. Uh, if you want more, check out Patreon. Uh, Spooky in Purgatory on Patreon dot com. Catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>